dismiss the children. Have a very good time back there. Our teachers are strong and prepared for our kids. Praise the Lord for that. I'm not a children's worker, so I really pray for and bless the teachers of the children. (laughs) So this week, we're going to look at 316, Mission 316, in the book of Matthew. Matthew 3.16, whether you have a brick-and-mortar Bible or a Bible on your phone, if you would bring up Matthew chapter 3. I'm going to be reading from the New King James because this is the Bible that I have that has the largest print. (laughs) Nothing as lofty as what Danielle said, you know, about how she likes to read from the message. It's just the biggest print I have, so that's also a consideration. We're going to read the 16th verse. Would you stand with me? Matthew 3, 16. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Thank you. You may be seated. Being baptized is a, very, is a very special time. In the Church of the Nazarene, there are two, two sacraments that we, that we uh, participate in because they were demonstrated for us by Jesus. One is communion and the other is baptism. To some, baptism is a mystery. To some, baptism is miraculous. And there's seemingly some confusion about how we should be baptized. Should we be sprinkled? Should we be immersed? Is that the only way? Should we be poured? Should we be dunked? Should we, should we uh, wear a robe? Should we not wear a robe? How old should we be? Can children be baptized? Where do we get baptized? In the pool, in the tub, in the river, in the creek? There are all kinds of questions about baptism. Between the denominations, there are so many questions about baptism that we might miss the whole point. We don't want to miss the whole point of baptism. It's a means of grace. In it, in baptism, believers signify their, our, faith in Jesus as Savior and and that they purpose to live in holiness. We're clean. Our sin was washed away. This ceremony, this sacrament, this sacrament is an outward sign of an inward miracle. We've been saved. We want to live for Christ. At about 30 years of age, when God said the time was right, the Bible says the time appointed by the Father, Jesus was inaugurated. We all know about inaugurations. We see them on television every four years. But Jesus was inaugurated to begin the gospel. This was the beginning of his ministry. What a powerful phrase, the beginning of his ministry. 
right here, right there in the beginning of the gospel is the good news, great news. Say great news. Gospel means good news, but I, it's great news, isn't it? Wasn't it great news to you when, when he came after you, saved your soul? And you would think that if Jesus was going to begin his public ministry and be inaugurated and announced to the ancient world, that that would take place in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the center of, of all religion. It was, it was the capital of Israel. But Jesus follows up his humble birth in Bethlehem with a humble trip to the wilderness. With even more humility, he travels to the wilderness of Judea to be baptized by John the Baptist. Forty miles from Galilee. Uh, Nazareth was a city in Galilee. Jesus was a Nazarene. Jesus traveled 40 miles from Nazareth to seek out John the Baptist to be baptized. How long does a baptism take? Anybody remember? I mean, minutes, just minutes, and it's over. He traveled 40 miles to be baptized by John the Baptist in the wilderness in the River Jordan because God said to do it that way. Now, um, I want to read the entire chapter for you, but please stay seated. All of this is so important. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now, John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. That was John's humility. John did not want anything, his clothing, his food, nothing, the trappings, how he didn't want anything to distract him from, from his job for the Lord. He had a mission, mission 316. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and the region around the Jordan went out to him. Now, the Bible says the wilderness, but that doesn't mean there weren't any towns there. There were little towns there. There were people to come, and they came. Uh, John became uh, famous very quickly. He had quite a following before he baptized Jesus. And were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, the way they did that was, um, you know, it was a purification thing. They were trying to symbolize their purity because they followed the law and did what God had taught them to do. And they studied the Septuagint. And so they, they, had, uh, they had their standards, they wanted to meet their standards, and baptism was just one of the ways in which they said, I, I'm being pure before God. But when he saw the many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the wrath to come? Because John looked out and saw people who were not there for the right reasons. 
people who had come, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, who really weren't interested in pleasing God, but in furthering their own careers. So he looked out and he saw them and he called them out. And he said, why are you here? You're not here for the right reason. Why are you here? But he gave a lesson as he spoke to them, a lesson for us. Therefore, bear fruit worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to rise up the children of Abraham from these stones. And what stones might he have been talking about? The 12 stones that represented the 12 tribes of Israel. The 12 stones, that's where they were. And even now, as the axe is laid to the root of the trees, therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. What he's saying is, um, you can either bear fruit or make firewood. Fruit or firewood. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then who shows up? Jesus. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. We would feel that way too. And you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him, John allowed him, allowed himself to baptize Jesus. And our verse 16, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descend like a dove lighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And that's the end of that chapter. And that is a good place to stop a chapter. In whom I am well pleased. John the Baptist was so humble. In fact, um, uh, they said that, or the Bible says, and commentators say that... um, He would do nothing, he would do nothing uh, that would distract him from his ministry, his great commission. He preached repentance to all who would listen, and that day, even the Pharisees. In fact, in our scripture today, the Pharisees had made a point of coming to hear John the Baptist, and he called them out because he knew the condition of their hearts. He referred to them as vipers, which is serpents 
traitors, Judas Iscariot. He likened them to trees with an axe already poised at their base. Why? Because they were hypocrites. They pretended to be godly, but it was just a show. When I was uh, 13 years old, they came out with this wonderful invention called Lee Press-On Nails. Lee Press-On Nails. These were fingernails that were, you know, like this, and and they had uh, double-sided tape on the back, and and I thought they were great. And I remember they cost a dollar. They cost one dollar plus tax at uh, the G.C. Murphy store. And uh, boy, I, I was I was really happy to have these fingernails, and I put them on. And this and this day, I was I, I, I rode my bicycle every day in the summer, so I was out riding my bicycle, and I stopped to see a friend of my mother's. Her name was Carrie, and she she just loved me, and she didn't have any kids, and she would always tease me and you know laugh and have fun with me when I stopped to see her. And I had my Lee press on nails, and. Uh, you know, I thought that she probably wouldn't notice them right away, and I'd have to, you know, do this. I'm sure I did. I don't know. Well, Carrie, you know, has me into her house, and I'm sitting on the couch, and she always talked to me like a grown-up. I loved that. And, of course, I was more grown-up that day because I had my nails. She asked me if my nails were real. I said, oh, yes. Oh, yes, I said, they're real. We continued to talk, and she probably offered me a glass of pop or soda, whatever you call it. And then I went on my way. I got on my bicycle, and I went to get a hold of the handlebars, and I looked, and, and there were nails missing. <laughs> oh, a dollar and six cents, a dollar and six cents. Boy, it was hard. I was, oh, it was hard. I struggled. Should I, shouldn't I? Should I, shouldn't I? Well, I knew she was going to find those nails, and she was going to know I lied through my teeth. So I might as well go back and get my nails. Dollar and six cents. So I go back, knock on the door, and Carrie had such an ornery grin. She always did. She had dimples, too. That makes it worse. So she's given me that grin, and I know that she knows that I know. And, and I said, Carrie, I lied to you about my fingernails. They're not real. Like she didn't know that. You know, we always think that we fool adults when we're kids, don't we? We tell these lies, and we think that they don't know it. Guess what? They know it. They know it. We are, not, we are not as accomplished at lying as we think we are. We are not. So I said to Carrie, um, I, I lied about the fingernails. They're not really mine. Oh, really, she said. Oh, dear. I said, can I go look on your couch for my fingernails? Yes, she said. You just go right ahead and go look for your fingernails. So I think I lost three. So I went and I, and you know, on the couch and maybe down in the side, I don't know. But I'm looking for the nails and, and I find uh, all but one of them. And so I get my, I press them back on and, you know, maybe they'll stay, maybe they won't. I get on my bike and I go home and, and my mom and dad never knew that I told that lie as far as I know. 
But I'll bet you that one day later that week, or later, later that month, Carrie found that other nail. And I bet she had a good laugh over that. The Pharisees were like that. The Pharisees were not good at fooling people about their, the, the condition of their heart. Their heart's condition was pretty obvious to a lot of people. And yet they kept up that facade. They kept up that facade of being holy, holier than thou. But they were not. Their lives bore no fruit. And John warned them that they could not justify themselves. And their father Abraham's faith could not save them either. Anybody here think you're saved because your relatives are? That's what they were saying. They were saying, well, look, Abraham, we're Abraham's descendants. Well, that doesn't matter. We don't get to heaven on our relatives' faithfulness. Never have, never will. John the Baptist began to talk about the one who would soon come, the one with the winnowing fan that would clean the threshing floor. And many of you know that threshing was what they did to wheat to separate the chaff from the grain. It was like a big fork, had an unusual shape, but they would pick up the, the, I don't know, pile of wheat and they would and they would move it around, they would shake it back and forth, they would do whatever they needed to do to get the good wheat, which they would use for bread, to fall, and the chaff that was left on the winnowing fork was put in the pile to be burned. So, the threshing floor, in this analogy, is the temple. The threshing floor is the temple. See, I thought that the flesh threshing floor was where Gideon hid. Remember in the wine press? He hid in the wine press to uh, winnow the wheat. That's what I had in my mind. No, the threshing floor is the temple. It's the church. And this is how we know that. In verse 12, if you look, John refers to his threshing floor. His wheat, and his is capitalized. So you see, it's, it's his domain, which is the church. It's his floor, his wheat. We are his wheat. We are his wheat, and this is his threshing floor, right? You are sitting on the threshing floor. I want to be gathered by Jesus and not burned like chaff. Can anybody say amen? Amen. John the Baptist aroused people to the truth about sin and repentance. That was his job. He was a voice in the wilderness. He described himself as a voice in the wilderness. In John chapter 1, verse 23, John the Baptist describes himself in John's hearing, John the Apostle, He describes himself as a voice, not a minister, not a preacher, not a pastor, not a, you know, somebody, just a voice. I'm just a voice. See how humble? I'm just a voice. I love that. 
Jesus is the Word. John the Baptist was just a voice. Jesus is the Word who came to John in the wilderness. John as the voice was startling and awakening the people. It had been over 400 years since they had a prophet like Malachi. But Jesus, as the word, in, as the word instructs and demonstrates. John, just a voice. Jesus, instructor and demonstrator. On this day, Jesus began his ministry. He began instructing and demonstrating what we are to do, how we are behave, how to behave, how we should act, what holiness looks like. This was a very important day, a very important day, an inauguration. And so Jesus, who never sinned and never would, had to be baptized. Since this was his inauguration into ministry, these are going to be the first things that we see demonstrated by Jesus, and you should probably take note. These are just some of the things that we can learn from the baptism of Jesus this day. Number one, Jesus traveled from Galilee to Jordan to be baptized. He put toil and effort in his determination to please his father. Verse 13. Do we toil and put real effort into pleasing God? This is just a question. Nobody needs to raise their hand. I'm asking myself. Do I put toil and effort into pleasing God the Father? Number two. Jesus, the Son of God, humbled himself to come to John to be baptized. Everything Jesus did, everything Jesus did was graceful and lovely and of good report. In everything, is everything that we do graceful and lovely and of good report? Number three, John the Baptist at first declined to baptize Jesus with the argument, with an argument that we would probably use ourselves in that situation. But that same modesty that first made him decline the honor Jesus offered him eventually caused him to agree. No pretense of humility must make us decline our duty. Not in this church, but in in our previous church. I, I heard of that. And I might have tried that at one time, too. I definitely, uh, when I felt the call to write and, and, and speak for the Lord, I definitely uh, felt completely unworthy that can't possibly be right and yet I knew in the I knew I knew I knew and I always knew I always knew that I wanted to stand up and testify 
for God and the great, great things he's done. I wanted people to find him, to know him. I wanted that. But when I actually got the call, I, I, I tried to deny it. And that's what, that's what John did. Because of his humility, and sometimes it's just fake humility, we know the difference, God knows the difference, But listen to this line again. No pretense of humility must make us decline our duty. Jesus accepted John. He accepted his humility and he refused his denial. Hmm. Same with us. Same with us. Number four, heaven was opened. It encourages us to receive him and submit to him. Jesus saw the heavens open. So did John the Baptist. So did the people that were gathered there. It lent weight to what he was saying. It lent weight when the heavens opened. Then we knew that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, as John called in the wilderness. He opened the kingdom of heaven to all believers. The communication between heaven and the people on earth had been blocked by sin. Jesus opened the communication to heaven. Have we truly received him? Have we submitted to him? Number five. The Spirit of God descended and lighted on Jesus. In Genesis, we read that in the beginning, the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. One one version says the face of the waters. But here, in verse 17, the same Spirit lights, lands, rests on Jesus. The new beginning. You see, Genesis... The spirit was above the deep. And in Matthew here, in this, in this verse, the spirit comes down and lights on Jesus. The spirit doesn't hover. The spirit of God rests. Does the spirit of God rest on you? Does the spirit of God rest on you? This is what he's demonstrating for us. This is one of the things he's showing us. Can you see the Trinity in this, in, this, uh, in this ceremony going on today? Do you see the Trinity? God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. You know, there's only a handful of times in the Bible where you can see a picture of all three of them together, this mysterious Trinity, this Beautiful, beautiful trinity that covers all the bases, all our needs. Wow. And later on, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell on those assembled there. And this is a foreshadowing of that great event. When the Holy Spirit fell and they, had, and they spoke with tongues of fire so that others could understand the message of this gospel. 
Number six, to explain and complete this solemn occasion, there came a voice from heaven. A voice from heaven. And see in that voice how God claims Jesus. This is my beloved son. Is there a son or a daughter here who wouldn't love to hear their dad say, This, this is my beloved child. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. Hear the pride. Hear how he claims him. He claims him. It's like he put his arm around him and drew him into his chest to hug him and hold him. This is my beloved son. It's a beautiful picture. Jesus was sinless and sanctified and sealed and came upon this errand to save us. Because he was consecrated to the covenant of redemption, the redemption that John the Baptist spoke of. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He delighted to do the will of his father. Jesus delighted to do the will of his father, and the father loved him. God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear what the apostle Paul says. Of us, if if you are a believer, if you are not a pretender, if you are a believer, if you are following, if if you are walking in holiness by the Spirit's power, this, these words are for you from, from John, from the, or from Paul, the Apostle Paul. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, Paul writes, In him we have redemption through his blood. In Romans 6, 6 11, Paul says, We are alive to God in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, 6 and raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1.6, to the praise and glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. You see that in? God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And Paul is telling us here in these four verses that if we have asked Jesus Christ to be the Savior of our souls, we are in Christ Jesus. God is pleased with all who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? We are either in Jesus or we're fruitless trees. We are either in Jesus or we are chaff. There's no in-between. There's no in-between. This is the word. This is not me. This is the word. This is what God's word says. 
We are either in Jesus or we are not. So these are some of the lessons that we get from the account of the day that Jesus was baptized. This is when the world began to hear the good news. The beginning of Christ's mission right here in chapter 3 and verse 16. And we have to ask ourselves the question. Are we in Christ? Are we in Christ? Are we in Christ or are we going through the motions? Are we in Christ sometimes? Are we in Christ when it's convenient? Are we in Christ? It was true when John the Baptist said it, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is so much more true today. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Are are we ready? I heard this morning uh, Danielle talking about the one that just left like that, went to went went to bed, and and uh, that night, that night, his wife died, and just like that. Are we in Christ? Are we ready? Are we ready? It's a hard it's a hard question. I never ever expected that I would be a fire and brimstone pastor, but listen, I'm afraid for people. I have a burden for people. Are we in Christ? Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Would you stand please? I've been praying all week that there would be someone here today that doesn't know the Lord, that would come up to this altar, this beautiful old-fashioned altar, that would just, just come trotting up at the pull of the Holy Spirit and give their lives to Jesus. There's something about the altar. Pastor always says that. There's something about the altar. There's something about, it's something about repentance on your knees before the king of the world that it's so amazing so wonderful to feel that weight fall off of your shoulders and only he can do that peace only he can do that are you in Christ I've prayed all week that there would be someone here who was not in Christ but only going through the motions only showing up for church only pretending like the Pharisees I've been praying that there'd be someone online that would tune in today or or in the coming days that would say, I am not in Christ. I'm not in Christ. Today's the day. Today's the day because the kingdom is at hand. So there are two prayers for today. One for repentance. And we'll pray that now anyone would like to come to the altar I would be so happy to meet you right there but more importantly Jesus will meet you right there Heavenly Father we are a people undone in our sin we are a people Lord who do not please you unless we are in you 
unless you are in us. Father, don't let us be burned. Don't let us be cast aside, Father. We want to be fruit. We want to be fruitful for you. We want so much, Father, to please you. Help us. Help us in our unbelief, Father. Come and save us. Come and save us, Father. Saints, please pray. He's been praying. He's been interceding for you, David. That's how important you are to him. Oh, he loves you so much. Now you tell him, Lord. Or you tell him, David. You tell the Lord, I want to walk with Jesus. I want to please God. It's all that matters. I love you, Lord. Can you testify to that, David? Can you? Oh, he loves you so. Heavenly Father, we thank you that David has come this morning. We thank you, Father, that he has given his heart to you. And there is rejoicing. Can I hear an amen? This beautiful, beautiful young life right here committed to Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else who will come? Oh, is there anyone else who would come? If you are listening online, I, I beseech you. That's a real churchy word. I beg you. I beg you. Don't miss the opportunity right now, today, whatever day you're listening, whatever day it is, to call out to fall on your knees, to, to call out while you're riding in your car. Maybe you can't get on your knees, but get on your knees in your heart and say, Jesus, save me. Save me. Oh, Lord, I thank you for this boy. I thank you this young man has come here and he has given his heart to you. And Lord, we are so thankful. And Lord, as his church, as his church family, Lord, we commit to being a part of his journey. We commit, Lord, to pray for David. We commit, Lord, to lift him up. We commit, Lord, to lift up his mom and his dad, Lord, as they guide him. And Lord, we just thank you that today David became one of your saints. We thank you in Jesus' name. And this is the second prayer we'll pray. This prayer will be for those of us who do walk with the Lord, but who have grown faint, who have become watered down, that happens. We go through trials, and my, oh, my, we've got a lot of trials going on right now. So many deaths and so much stress uh, going on in our lives. 
And it's so easy, it's so easy to lose sight of the, th- of the fact that only one thing matters. One thing matters. Would God say to me, this is my beloved in whom I am well pleased. Would he say that to you? Would he say that to you? Would he? Heavenly Father, please forgive us, Lord, if we've been distracted. Please forgive us, Lord, if we've, if we've concentrated on too many things, Lord. We want to concentrate on you. We want to concentrate, Lord, on the journey that you are taking us on. We want to concentrate, Lord, on the, on the ministry that you want to plug us into, that we are already plugged into. Father, we want you to be the center of our universe, not us. We want to get off the throne, Lord, of our lives and put you there because you deserve it. You are Christ, the King the King of kings and the Lord of lords, you need to be on the throne of our lives and we put you there today. We put you there today. And we will take steps to keep you there and to bear fruit. Oh Lord, we love you. We don't want to be distracted. Help us, Lord, in our unbelief. All hearts clear. We pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's rejoice. What a wonderful day. What a wonderful day. God bless you, David. Do you have a testimony? Is there something you would like to say? You love the Lord with all your heart? That's all he needs to know. Amen. (laughs) Thank you. Now the praise team is going to come back up because I think we need to celebrate. You can. You are dismissed. Praise the Lord.